In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he created man. And according to the book of Genesis, all was good. But some people could argue that it wasn't truly great until the 1970s in Japan. Historians estimate in that area of time, the fine Japanese people, namely singer Tatsuyuke Inoue, invented what is known to the general drunk bar crowd population as karaoke. Karaoke is defined as a mix of two distinct Japanese terms. Kara, which comes from the word karapo, meaning empty or void, and oke, which comes from the word orchestra or orchestra. Then, everything was great for a while, but even the best inventions need innovation. Dateline October 31st, 2013. An announcement was made live over YouTube, which officially started a small revolution in New York City. Hi, this is Jesse. I'm the commissioner of United Karaoke, and I want to welcome you to Gotham City Karaoke, now part of the world's largest karaoke league. Well, I have with me a couple of friends who want to say hi to you. Sister Karaoke, welcome to welcome Gotham City Karaoke. Say hi! And it was with that one of the largest leagues of competitive karaoke was born in the city of New York. That league was Gotham City Karaoke League. There were highs in the thrill of competition of having people dress up and act out karaoke songs. There were more highs as people were featured in the Wall Street Journal as an up-and-coming business in 2016. But before they knew it, the league was all but over. What happened to competitive karaoke leagues in New York City? That is the topic of discussion as I dig deep into that question with a panel of experts as they tell me the backstory to competitive karaoke in this edition of Josh's Global Sports Show. Josh's Global Sports Show is hosted by Josh Eisenberg. It is produced in conjunction with Memory Artist Studios. For more information, check out the show's webpage at memoryartist.com. You are listening to Episode 1, Competitive Karaoke Leagues. Today's guests include Romo Nina Locke and Chris Migliaccio. Welcome to the first ever installment of Josh's Global Sports Show. The purpose of this show is to let listeners enjoy learning and understand the history and obtain a global knowledge of sports and games that exist for you to play. I am your host, Josh Eisenberg. Each week, we will focus our attention on one sport or game that you, as a listener, may not have known about. This week is an activity that some would call a sport, some would call a game, but I call competitive karaoke leagues. In the opening, I told you about the history of karaoke and its roots, but the start of competitive karaoke leagues can be traced to our nation's capital. Washington, D.C. It is there that the District or United Karaoke League, the basis for the now defunct New York City-based Gotham City Karaoke League, took form. 
Before we delve deeper into competitive karaoke leagues, it would help if I took a step back and explained what a competitive karaoke league actually is. It's people who pay good money to be in a social club where it's kind of like improv means acting out your favorite songs on stage while you sing them. There is an interpretive dance aspect too. It's, it's really a spectacle. That's really what it is. Now, what it isn't is the 2000 film duets with Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow where they go to Battle of the Karaoke Stars competition. That's like American Idol and it's totally different. In fact, competitive karaoke leagues have this mass appeal to improv performers because it uses a lot of the same skill sets. Each team have to wear a shirt of the same color as given to them. However, when performing, the shirts could be worn around their arms, around their legs, or just not in general as a shirt. You could wear it like as a headband of sorts. And that brings us to the rules of Gotham City Karaoke Performance. The first established rule was that you had to have that shirt on at all times while you were performing. There were no ifs, no ands, nor buts. They wanted to promote Gotham City Karaoke. Secondly, you couldn't choose a song from The Boneyard or The Graveyard. Those were overplayed songs that no one wanted to hear. Instead, you had to choose a song that was related to the category for that week, and you had to do it 24 hours before singing. Examples of Boneyard songs include Wannabe by The Spice Girls, Don't Stop Believing by Journey, and Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Due to slip and fall injuries, though it was an alcoholic serving bar, there was to be no alcohol or water on stage. And finally, once that song is chosen by a team, it is officially out of the rotation. The only way to redo it is if you made the playoffs and then you could choose that song again. Otherwise, that song is dead. However, there were more rules that were made on the fly for obvious reasons. Our panel explains. No no live snakes in a bar had to become a rule at one point. <laughs> I don't remember I that. I remember that. That was, I was like, is that a lot? Is that, is that actually there? I think yeah. we remember this, but that was, that's crazy. I, I just remember seeing that and going, like thinking like, do we need to stop this? And this is, I do think part of the beauty of the community of like looking at that. And I remember, I think I was sitting with Adam and we were talking about it and going like, she does seem in control of the snake. <laughs> and you know, this is her art and her performance. And like, you know, we're getting, you know, we're pretty through the song here. And then she sort of finished the song and we were like, you kind of need to leave, but Snake has to leave the bar. Like the bartender was like, was like, she's gotta go. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Let's just finish and she'll go, she'll take the, you know. Um, but we, I think we were a big believer. It was very like um, laissez-faire in that regard of like, if you're not hurting anyone and the snake was not hurting anyone at the time, go, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, uh, you can be in there. The idea was to have an activity where people could, after work, assuming you had a job to go to, drink, interact, and compete using their imaginations and songs. Each team would compete with three rounds, two solo rounds in rounds one and two, and then a group number in the third round. Each match would be head-to-head, -head, one team versus another each week, and the matchup would change weekly. 
Using the internet, people in the bar could vote on this week's winner, and points and standings would be adjusted accordingly. There was a real sense of competition, as people would really get into it. Trust me, even I was part of the action. In one such number, I dressed up as the little girl who was in spandex during Sia's Chandelier's video, as sung by two of my teammates. I didn't just dance, I also sang a little bit. You can blame my performance on a lot of things like alcohol, or alcohol. I think the audience, if they have more alcohol, then it's always better. So the audience needs to be drinking. As a performer, um, I would tend to not really drink until like after the performance because that's not what made me able to perform. And I would feel like I wouldn't do as well if I was like, you know, not all there. Oh, no, I was a heavy drinker. Um, so <laughs> I was probably at least three drinks, depending on when I went in the order that night. If I was doing it by group, I was usually pretty toasty. Um, but like, it was a lot of alcohol. Um, and then you're there so often, you get to know the bartenders mm -hmm. so well. So they start forgetting what how many drinks they pour you and uh -huh. now you're you've had a lot of drinks and you tip them well and also there were plenty of other people in karaoke league who were like hey i'll get you know like i'll get you one you know what i mean like or whatever so it wasn't mm -hmm. like it was a very like friendly like oh you know you don't have money to like buy a drink this week i'll I'll, I'll spot you, you know, or something like that. So like, or people just being like, let's get some shots for the team. So like a round of shots shows up. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. And then as have been mentioned, like league ends and then it's open karaoke for yeah. however, I think it was usually like an hour or two maybe after that. And then after that, it was like, if you're still feeling ready to go, you could always go to after after karaoke to like K17 down the street. <laughs> so this booze was was flowing. I'd be lying to you if I said that this story is entirely about Gotham City Karaoke League. Like all good stories, there is a prequel or preamble. In this story, it starts in the basement of a midtown bar that was once known as the Karaoke Cave. This is the brief story of Cullen the founder of the original Karaoke League in New York City, aptly named the New York City Karaoke League, as told by member and future host of the league, Nina Locke. So I used to go to karaoke at a bar on the Upper East Side where I lived at the Crow's Nest, which is no longer open. But I had a really good friend who was a bartender there 
And the woman who hosted karaoke was named Robin and she knew Cullen. And so she knew me from singing at this bar. So she was like, okay, I'm putting together this team for this thing that's called a karaoke league. It's like, we're on a team of four and we do songs each week and we try to win this tournament thing. And I was like, okay. And she's like, uh, you're a good singer. Just like be on my team. And I was like, great. Okay. I see you on Friday nights a couple times a month. You know, this is fine. So then we do the first season of Cullen's karaoke league, the New York city karaoke league. And it's fun. And then by the second season, Cullen wanted to add a second night to the roster. And so he was like, Hey, I, I know that you're into karaoke. I feel like I was also hosting at the time already down in Midtown at a comedy club. I was hosting karaoke and he knew I was doing that. And he was like, why don't you take on this night of the second night? I don't want to host both. And I was like, sure. So I took on the second night of New York City Karaoke League during the second season of its iteration. For Chris Miliacho, entry into New York City Karaoke League came via word of mouth almost like entrance into a secret club. I was in a bar, and I can't remember which one it was, but somewhere around NYU, doing karaoke for my birthday, actually, with my friend Logan. We were singing You've Lost That Loving Feeling together, very dramatically and as we would normally do. And someone came up to us afterwards and was like, have you heard of this thing called a karaoke league? You should be in it. And I don't actually have no idea who this person was. They were. I don't know if they had like a friend who did it or something, because I never saw this person again. I don't know if they like did the first season and stopped or knew someone, but we were like, not what's that, but like, that sounds amazing. Immediately Googled it. And by the end of the night, we'd figured out our team name, which was Theodore and the Tremendous Six. These teams would be like bands of four, then increasing in size to six people eventually. They would have mostly weird and punny names I do think there's always something about what they're like vaguely, like pitch slapped is like implying something offensive, but not quite and twisted. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's always good. the best kind yeah. of name for some reason. It's better than I think, and some of them got weird. Like, I mean, we did uh, one season in GCK, our team was called My Bulge. Um, <laughs> just because the way Adam would say it, he'd be like, from whatever. And so he, we just wanted to force him to say, from My Bulge, here's Chris. They were judged not only for the merit of their vocal quality, but they were voted on by their peers on a performance nature. Well, and that was the thing was that, so there was a, almost immediately, I think if we're trying to track sort of for Josh, the, the like evolution of what this thing was as a competition, almost immediately, at least my recollection was that there was this question between like singing and performance. And the idea was that you were scored on both, like a one to 10. But I think it was the fourth season, they experimented with this idea that there would be like, performing teams and like yes. singing teams but because th then there's almost immediately the question of like how much performance is too much performance for the non-performance right because ultimately you know when we think about karaoke right it's always a, a performative thing and the line between just being engaging with a crowd and silly costumes and over-the-top bits like there's obviously two edges of that. Like there's someone who gets up there and stands there and there's someone who's doing a full dance routine or reenacting an Anthony Weiner press conference. Don't know who that would be. Um, but in the middle there, it was just really hard. And so I think it, they sort of gave up on the idea of like not catering to the people 
who wanted to be mm-hmm. like just do weird bits. New York City Karaoke League definitely struck a chord with all types of creatives, as well as non-creative types looking to get out untapped emotions. When you're talking about who's singing at the bar and sounds great, it's probably the person going out for Broadway in the morning, you know? So I think there's just like a really fine line in that respect as well. And then of course, lawyers, I mean, a lot of lawyers. And that was like the other, it was like, if you're not an actor, you're probably a lawyer. And that's like not even exaggerating. Things were going well for Cullen in New York City Karaoke League, but there were definite flaws in the system that they were using. Part of what was happening though is we were, a bunch of us were very competitive and felt like the people that were running the New York City Karaoke League, number one, were not promoting it very well, right? That here we are in this basement doing these incredibly elaborate bits that like only, the only people who saw them were as if we convinced our friends to come. And like, again, as I said, we couldn't even really videotape them and do very much with them because the lighting was so bad down there. It was a basement. And so we're kind of like, well, a little bit like, it feels like there's more to do this. And it also just felt like there wasn't a lot of effort in promoting it generally. There weren't a lot of people coming in and it was getting kind of insular a little bit, which is fun, right? It's fun to do this for your friends. But we just started kind of looking around going like, I feel like there's more to do with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so myself, um, my now wife, then uh, girlfriend, Cindy, and our friend Rebecca, who was at the, she was the host of the New York City Karaoke League at the time. time. She had taken Lucy's, well, with a couple of people in between, she had eventually taken Lucy's gig. Um, And we met at the the Bon Me place on 13th. and talked about like, well, how could we just run our own league? Like how hard can it be? Um, and we ended up deciding to work with, there's a, a, there was a league, I think it may still exist, but I'm not actually not even sure, called District Karaoke out of Washington, DC. And we went down and met with them through a connection from uh, a friend of ours who had done karaoke league and then moved to DC um, and was doing it down there and talked with him about hey, how does this, what do you do? How does this work? The the difference is, so the Karaoke League, the original New York City Karaoke League was very, how do I put this? There was like not a lot of structure around it, right? And what they had done in DC was build it more like a softball league, essentially, right? Everyone had a team color and, you know, X number of people. There was an app to sort of make... The, the 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 decisions instead of being done by so point we haven't discussed so in in the, the league that in GCK the, the decision Gotham City Karaoke decisions were done by voting you know a voting in an app of by the crowd essentially and the original rules was that other teams were judging you right that competitors who were not competing in the round that was happening were judging the other competitors which again like created, I think contributed to that sort of insular thing in that you're sort of performing for people who have probably been watching you for the last few weeks. That sort of gave it a certain vibe as opposed to trying to please a sort of larger crowd. And so we decided to, to team up with them and start building sort of Gotham City Karaoke. I still sort of remember where I was when we announced it on Facebook 
and the, the many excited messages we got and the, some very, very angry ones that we got. There were certain people who felt loyal to the people that were running the old league. Not a lot of them, uh, quite frankly, but a few people who felt like we were like betraying them by starting our own karaoke league. Whereas we've kind of felt like other people, like we're not, other people can decide to join if they want to or not. We ended up taking a lot of people who decided, yeah, we'd rather be in a league run by these people than run by the people who are running the New York City Karaoke League. You know, fair play. Again, everyone has a right to sort of pick sides in this stuff. It's a free market. (laughs) Yeah. And I take no offense. I mean, some of those people were, some of those people were sort of good friends of mine before, and I just sort of had to kind of let that roll off. And so the part of what we did was move it to a place called Pioneer's Bar on 29th, which is a, a bigger place with a stage and like really good lighting, as Nina noted, run by um, someone who also owns the People's Improv Theater, so which brought a lot of those types of people in and really kind of built out something that was, again, a little more formal, right? A little bit more of like a specific sort of team competition, a little bit less loose than it was before. And we tried to promote it more aggressively. The one thing that Gotham City Karaoke League definitely did way better than New York City Karaoke League is that they got the word out about their league. It even attracted... Romo, a veteran of Gotham City Karaoke League, to join the fun. So Gotham City Karaoke was one of those things that I actually found out through my parents. So your advertising worked, um, is what I'm saying, because they originally told me about Gotham City Karaoke League like a couple of months before I actually joined or whatever. There, I, mm-hmm. I think the, I think I might have come in the second time, the second season in GCK at Pioneers. Um, so they saw something about the first season on, I think there might've been an article in Time Out or something like that, because my parents were getting Time Out New York by accident, I think probably from me signing up or something and that being my old address. And so they talked to me about it and I said, yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun. I'm really busy, I can't do that. And then a couple months go by, signups are happening, and one of my good, uh, one of my, like a friend of a friend, Laura, she was like, hey, I found out about this. I really want to do it. And I was like, oh, I actually kind of heard about it. And we, we know each other through like another mutual friend and we've done karaoke and she's a singer musician person. So, uh, and she does like kids music and education and stuff. And so, yeah, so she was a friend of a friend and I go to karaoke weekly at the time and with some other friends and, you know, it became a thing where it was like, yeah, we'll, we'll get together on a team and like we did like i think we had like four of us that knew each other and then because the structure of gck at that time was like you could join as a whole team or you could join as like a free agent or like any amalgam of a number of people and they would fill out the ranks essentially we actually i think it might have only been i'm trying to think it was definitely me laura and jordan and then I feel like that was it. There might have been one more person that was like Laura's friend that, oh yeah, and Stephanie. So there was four of us that were like a group that joined and then, uh, yeah, and the rest of our team got filled in via random assignment. When the teams were put together, it was like a bonding exercise. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but gosh darn it, they were going to try. No, we meshed pretty well overall. Uh, there was obviously moderate team drama, but like overall we meshed pretty well. Yeah, it was. we were also pretty surprised that it was like, oh yeah, no, this, this makes sense. We were all at least 
on the same wavelength about competitiveness. I think that was the key to it is like, because if you have a team where it's like half people that are like, yeah, I just want to have a good time and whatever. And then like, you know, and then it's like, but we were hundred percent competitive. Like it's like, even if we were even, even our like not great, not best singer performer was like, I'm competing. So I'm going to compete as high as I can. You know, I'm going to try and win this. I may not be the best at any of these categories, but God damn it. I'm going to try. <laughs> Gotham city was growing and with growth means they had to add another night and other DJs as well. Talk about expanding. That was the, we started a Tuesday night. It's always been Wednesday nights. Yep. Um, and was also when, uh, Nina became one of our hosts. Yes. Uh, so I took over. So I, I went back to hosting just for you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, for you guys, I'll do it. Um, yeah. And uh, so Adam and I knew each other for a long time. Uh, he was another one who joined around with Chris did I believe for to the original karaoke league and Adam and I became friends he's also an actor I when I was hosting karaoke for a living every night of the week I needed other hosts to work for me sometimes so I would have Adam do a, a night um until like that gig for both of us kind of ran out ran its course but I knew that when we needed like, I, I don't remember how the conversation came up. Maybe you do, Chris. But I remember when we needed another host for GCK, I was like, well, Adam's the obvious choice because he's hosted karaoke. I know he's hosted karaoke and he's been around karaoke league forever. So it just, it made sense. DJ A-Train? I actually don't remember how that came about. Like a bunch of karaoke, a bunch of running it. Like there's some stuff I remember and there was a bunch of stuff that's kind of a blur. <laughs> so I actually don't remember how we got, I'm, I think it must've just been the Becca didn't want to oh no we needed a third night because we did yeah, the third night yeah one one for i think one season there was three nights yeah yeah there was and we and we struggled to get back to that third night yeah so we had three nights one year and adam hosted the third night and then when we went back to two we kept adam as one of the hosts I think it's really so gotham city karaoke was on the incline it, it, it really it became a thing in new york city like how? What do you attribute the the climb of, and the rise of of Gotham City karaoke to? Like, like where did it come from? I think a lot of it came from just well, two things. I think I give a lot of credit to uh, Cindy, who's an amazing marketer and did a lot of like work and pushing that out and making connections that allowed us like the second season finals we did at Santos party house. <laughs> so we would build that connection. That was sort of a, a fun place. And I think it being in a bigger place said to people, Oh, this is a cool thing to do and to yeah. see, like they couldn't have booked Santos party house if this wasn't something that should be was worth seeing. And I think we had something like 350 people in there at one point. Yeah, it was a, it was a solid like party event concert thing like it was legit like it wasn't like oh look it it's just a league it was it was a legit event like i that was that was nuts oh really <laughs> 
Yeah. That was my first season. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> it's it sort of built on that, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no, it was just, it was both nights together for right. huge fi- blowout finals. I mean, it was like you had both nights of hosts there. You had like all the owners there. You had, you know, you ha- it's just, it was just like a, such a celebration of everything that we've been doing for the last, you know, 12 weeks or whatever. And like, yeah, we, and a lot of people invited like people who had never come or you know especially people oh yeah who made it to the finals they were like oh shit this is real like even like the teams that were like oh, i'm just doing this for fun suddenly they made it into the finals and they were like nah <laughs> going <laughs> going out um and you know they inv- everyone invites all their friends and they're like come see like the culmination of like what we've been doing and why we've been Get, being like, I kind of leave work a little early today. You know, like, this is why. Like, it wasn't for nothing. <laughs> and they could all vote. That right. was the other, you know, everyone could vote, which I think was a huge, like, I know you touched on this already, but like a huge game changer. No, I agree. You know, it didn't matter if you were signed up or not. You know, you were there. Yeah, you were an active participant in like choosing the winner, which is always fun it makes you more engaged as an audience member to be like oh cool it, you know they got yeah i have i'm in <laughs> it wasn't just the trophies it wasn't just the finals but what it was was people becoming more elaborate with their performances that's what made gotham city karaoke so successful to the public i just i mean i was always impressed by like the groups like romo's group was one of those but but there were several groups over the years like Ape of the Harsh Yard, uh, who would do like hardcore choreography to the point where I, I was just like, how, how, like, and they would rent, I mean, I don't know if you guys did, but I know, I feel like I've heard stories about like renting rehearsal space for yeah, like the, hours. The yellow team with like Marissa and, uh, oh yeah, they, they did crazy ones they, too. Marty, yeah. And Marty and yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they definitely rented space. They would talk about how they would rent space. And, and do it's it. so impressive. Like, I mean, yeah. Okay. So it's not props and things, but dang, like they're renting rehearsal space, not just a karaoke <laughs> room. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like midtown rehearsal. Yeah. Space. yeah. No, like a midtown rehearsal studio. And like, we would, so we would rehearse just like when we did it, we would just literally go to like, one person's house and then like work on it the, the one thing is like a lot of us were theater people or former dancers or done dancing or stuff like that so the people who really did the choreography who were like really into it you know we're pretty good at picking it up i guess also it's like you can watch it a bunch and like practice it together and really it's just about like don't hit each other like don't crash into each other honestly that's the biggest thing is like especially on the karaoke stage it's like as long as you don't like completely run into each other it looks great because everyone else is already slightly drunk anyway so like <laughs> like the motion blur is fine besides elaborate performances at gotham city karaoke league other things were created and those were relationships between the performers. It's for the way you look at me. Okay, so Jason, my husband, and I met at karaoke, but not at League. And I made him join League when he was my significant other, because I was like, this is, we're doing this. Um, but then Chris, you know, I mean, well, you can speak to that, your, your story. Yeah, I met my yeah met my wife doing uh, karaoke. The first thing she remembers me doing was uh, Frank Sinatra doing the Flintstones. Um, but and I think part of it, a, a lot of what it comes back to, is sort of what we were just talking about before, is that it's a very sort of open place, right? And so 
people put themselves out there, like very, like whatever you were feeling, whoever you were. And so a lot of people sort of like revealed themselves and people who like wouldn't normally, things you wouldn't normally share with someone on a date, you kind of shared on a stage. And so when people got to know each other and got to like each other, I think those ended up being really strong relationships because there was never like, who is this person? Right. Like, I'm just getting, it's like, no, this person's like stripping down on stage. Like I'm seeing this person, I'm seeing like what their personality is and what they're willing to do and what they love and what kind of music they enjoy and just, just who they are as a person. So I think when people did get together, that just tended to work. And I think that's the thing, a lot of like, there are a lot of relationships and a lot of marriages and mm -hmm. quite frankly, blessedly not a lot of breakups yeah i would and and it's amazing to see like over the years how how like ever, everything's grown like i mean you know you have you have a little child in the house several of these families have children in the house and it's like oh another karaoke baby like every time you're just like wow <laughs> two in love can make it take my heart and please don't break it love was made for me and you. Gotham City Karaoke was everywhere. It was in the Wall Street Journal. It was even on Jeopardy. For four years, I've been in a competitive karaoke league uh, where it's team based and you do male and female solos and group numbers. It's choreographed, it's costumed, it's very intense. It was literally the heyday for Gotham City Karaoke. like in physics that Isaac Newton proved, what goes up must come down. The league was kicked out of pioneers as numbers were struggling with the bar and bureaucracy was taking its toll on the founders of GCK. I think we would have run the league ourselves and not worked with another, because I think we, we, we felt like ultimately like that helped us get off the ground, but we could have done it and we would have had more control of things. And um, again, there's like, those stories are not nearly as funny and interesting, but it's a lot of the reason why like the league sort of stopped was that uh, people just, there was like ended up being sort of a bureaucracy to it and a complication that just yeah. sort of like dragged things down in a lot of ways. Um, Agreed. Like, I mean, as someone who kind of took over, helped take over afterwards, uh, after you guys left and after it moved out of Pioneers into Mockingbird, um, hmm. which was not a great location, um, to be quite honest, that was one of our biggest things was also finding a new, um, I wish we could have, honestly, I wish we would have looked harder for a better space, um, because Mockingbird was one, also in a basement, like, um, it had a really nice stage, that it, that it had, and it had a nice audio setup, um, had a lovely Mexican restaurant above it, um, but it was far away from transit, uh, or further than anyone just coming out of work wants to, you know, take the train to one place and then walk over to, to Avenue A, you know, and then, and just like, it became a little, 
Yeah, it came, and it was harder to bring kind of the atmosphere of that Pioneers where it was walk-in discovery of a thing. Um, like, it was now back to that kind of karaoke cave feel where it was like, this is an insular thing. This is now just, you know, all your buddies coming to watch you. It's not, didn't have that same, like, um, vibe of just, like, Oh, this rando! I gotta, you know, I have to engage them. You know, hmm. I I only have to engage my friends and maybe the bartender. You know, like it wasn't, it didn't have that same feel. Uh, and I think that did. I think it did suffer from that. You know, because then it's just you're competing for uh, with the other against the other teams, and it's just the other teams all voting, and then you get even to into more. There's even more like strategery, right? Because like you can really if you do gang up and like you know create a coalition it's really easy to to that's the only way to really screw with the system is if like two teams really just and there's not a lot of like influx of other bodies that don't know anyone it's very easy to game the system that way after chris cindy and rebecca left the group there were three transferences of power the first one was to marty who took over for nina and adam then from there it went to romo Romo then passed it on to a fellow named Mason, who was the last owner of Gotham City Karaoke before it dissolved. Gotham City Karaoke would move one more time to 82nd and 3rd Avenue to a bar that is now the defunct Mad River Bar and Grill. Basically, I left because it dissolved. Uh, Well, at one point, we weren't getting people to sign up. Um, That was part of it. Um, You know, there wasn't money for ads or anything like that, you know, because it kind of, you either have to foot the bill yourself to start it up or generate it from the previous round, right? And that was dwindling. Um, so then we were becoming, so then we were only really doing open karaoke at Mockingbird. Um, and I got work, <laughs> basically it was like, I started moving up in my career and like, I had to go, um, like that's kind of, what happened like i started doing more work off broadway more more work in like um schools i started working for another school like so it just it was for me it was very much like it it was this was good it was it was clearly going down um and it was really hard to find help to try and bring it back up and it was really a sunk cost like and as much as i like doing it and like going i yeah i had to it was I, I, there was no value in trying to save it at that point. Like, it'd almost be better to, like, rev it back up from the ground now. You know what I mean? That it was to try and save it then. Yeah, so, a lot of it really had to do with, like, dump, like, the business stuff. You know what I mean? Like, not really getting along with the other, the, the people who are running sort of the mothership in DC who are co owners in the original New York League. And, um, just not wanting to, um, just be, being frustrated and feeling like it was handicapping us and just sort of not worth it that like we were all, and again, to, to Roma's point at that point, um, all the people who are running it were sort of like their careers were ramping up and kind of looking at this and going like, this is a lot of time for not a lot of return. Um, and just kind of going, we kind of can't keep committing to doing this and burning like a bunch of hours a week. Um, and uh, although a lot of that time got taken up by when we got sued by the people who do karaoke tracks, um, <laughs> which yes. is 
Yeah, that was fun. That was that was good. Um, I, 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 I would say that when when Chris, you know, Chris and all um, <laughs> decided to exit, uh, that's when I was just like, because I, I was approached to to take over after that, and I was like. I'm not doing it without my captain. So <laughs> I was like, no. Um, but I, but like Chris said, and actually Romo, you were even saying like, you know, those of us who were involved as like owners or employees of some kind in there, like eventually your real life continues to grow. And the opportunities that we've all had outside of doing, running this I mean, I wouldn't give that up for the world. So like the hindsight is 2020, like what would I change? I, I don't know that I would change anything. Maybe, okay, maybe being on uh, an upper floor of a bar. Okay, that's something. <laughs> but like overall, like I don't know that I would change anything or I don't know that, yeah, okay. Yeah, overall, <laughs> I don't think I would change anything. Like that's more just like wistful, like thinking on like- right. How could we have made it better and kept it going? Um, but yeah, I, overall, I don't have any regrets or anything about it <laughs> at all. By the winter of 2017, Gotham City Karaoke was dead on arrival. It's a great <laughs> idea. And I, I honestly, I think if, if it could have worked with like some big national org and like affiliates and cities and stuff like that, it would have been great. Right. Like that would have been fantastic. I think we all would have been able to, we all would have kind of loved it. And like, you know, then you can pass it down institutional knowledge to the next people and all that stuff. But the issue was no one wanted to do that from the top. You know what I mean? Like it, it felt very secretive from the top. Like, like it wasn't how you, it didn't feel like how you're supposed to operate like a franchise. Basically it's like, there didn't seem to be like a business plan outline or like shared with anyone. The people who worked for like GCK didn't really get like a vibe. It was just kind of like ask and you shall receive, but maybe you won't receive. It just felt like it was like a half-assed franchise situation, right? Like it, like there's no like business plan that I'm aware of or like actual real contracts that were really set up or any of that. Like, I think I signed something to get like money to get paid, but there wasn't like, and maybe like a thing to be like, don't, don't, don't work other karaoke. Might, there might've been a non-compete. I don't even remember. <laughs> like there wasn't anything crazy. Like it wasn't like, so I, I think there, what there should have been was like, business meetings between the affiliates you know what i, I mean like you did that like am i yeah, you guys had contracts and meetings and we didn't <laughs> no well, that's because by the end i think well that's because there was yeah. again it was that that thing of like by the end it was sort of like well the people in dc would like to just sort of run this thing and hire people and not sort of be dealing with entrepreneurs and it's again just like i feel like that stuff is um an interesting like like business law, like business study case, if you want to, if you're, if you're getting yeah, your MBA, totally. Josh. But like, I mean, I think really, I mean, what's like memorable and fun is like, and what what the kernel of that's still there is that like running, having a competitive team-based karaoke league is a good idea that people should continue doing, right? That it, it could be its own form of softball or kickball or dodgeball or basketball or whatever. Um, and I really and, do like the structure that was yeah. set up. And I mean, maybe there's some areas of improvement there which could be kicked around but i think overall that structure in the like i think 10 week 
system or whatever was solid. District Karaoke League would soon follow suit. However, when asked about a possible revival, that was left open. Well, I think as long as there's karaoke, there is always the opportunity to have a karaoke league because people will never stop wanting to do karaoke. Yeah, I think it's going to come back. I think it's going to come back. I think people will, other people will figure out a different way to do it. Other people in their late 20s and early 30s with energy and time to burn. And, you know, they'll all be like, this is a good idea. Um, and we should we should do this. I think like, and I, I know, again, I know your podcast is about like interesting competitive leagues, right? Like I think there's there's no reason why it shouldn't come back and why there shouldn't be more of it. If anyone's listening to this right now, who, do it. Who, do do it and yeah. shoot us all emails and we'll gladly give you our advice. Like yeah. and, and um, you can take the royalties also. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll t- and we'll talk to you about not getting sued. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So <laughs> I didn't know about this. So <laughs> talk about oh, that yeah. after this. <laughs> I would because and I would also say part is it's it's like um, actually one of the most fun things I did. One of the uh, harmony uh, it was a teacher. Um, and one of the fun things that Adam and I did was that we went and like taught in front of her class. They were like, they had to build their own karaoke competition. It was like part of some project they were doing. And like, we literally taught a high school class about competitive karaoke and then judged oh, wow. the competition they had afterwards, which was delightful. I mean, just, <laughs> so the kids know about it. They just have to, but yeah, we're clearly willing to share our knowledge. Will competitive karaoke leagues ever come back? It's hard to say. But with the pandemic loosening up, it seems like it could come back relatively soon. But in the true spirit of karaoke, when it comes to karaoke leagues happening, just don't stop. This has been Josh's Global Sports Show, Episode 1, The Rise and Fall of Gotham City Karaoke League, starring Josh Eisenberg and featuring Nina Locke, Romo, and Chris Miliaccio. It was written and produced by Josh Eisenberg. I am Aaron Boyle, the announcer. All portions of the broadcast were pre-recorded, including stock audio from Gotham City Karaoke members. For more information, please go to our website at memoryartist.com. This episode featured music from Queen, Elton John, Nat King Cole, Darren Curtis, Britney Spears, Pond5.com, and Israel Kamakwaioli, using our ASCAP and BMI licensing. Thank you for listening. Copyright 2021.